Tonight's radio broadcast of the Junk Food Cinema Program is brought to you by Dr. Fang, your friendly dentist. Folks, do you have shabby teeth? Do you have aching teeth? Do you have teeth? Mothers, do your kitties knock each other's teeth out? Visit Dr. Fang today, your friendly neighborhood dentist. One night, they were celebrating New Year's Evil. You were celebrating Junk Food Cinema. In fact, the last episode of Junk Food Cinema of 2023. Brought to you by FilmSchoolRejects.com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot. What's the big idea here? Well, I'll tell you what the big idea is. The big idea is that this is the last jfc of 2023 and that means we're back in the shadow of the thin man and i am once again throwing a few back with my old lang sidekick mr c robert cargill hi how's it going buddy well we're doing thin man which means we're drinking yes it does yes it does mean that this is the last episode of the year this is traditionally our party episode where we try we we endeavor to get as tipsy as the Charles's is, and we never make it, but we try every year, and it's really the effort that I think people appreciate. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love that after almost 10 years, we've just given up on trying to figure out what people actually appreciate, and we just do whatever the fuck we want. I mean, yeah. They, it's always <laughs> like, oh, it's about time you did this thing. I'm so happy. I'm going to subscribe to you guys. Hey, I love that you said subscribe to us, Cargo, because you can do that on your favorite podcatcher. What? I know. It's like you segued right into it without knowing. And you can also follow us on social media at Junk Food Cinema. And if you really like the show. I mean, you really like the show. You like it half as much as I like beer. You can go to patreon.com slash junk food cinema for as little as a dollar an episode. You are supporting the show. You are keeping the lights on. And we greatly appreciate it. Cargill, first we talked about the thin man i will beat my loaf for meatloaf any day don't worry about it and then after thin man we did after the thin man uh is that is that what multiple Megs says now Megs, you you behave you'll be a good boy over there Megs. i i can't smell your cunt and then we did another thin man episode on another thin man and imagine the coming together of those two sexy motherfuckers into a santa daddy megatron yeah <laughs> you're seeing it you know what i'm talking about yeah i'm like oh yeah this is definitely your shit uh, <laughs> this is nitro put the nitro back in the box the, um, i want a box of nitro for christmas only a box of nitro will do and here we are cargill wrapping up 2023 in the shadow of the thin man with shadow of the i feel like i set you up you should understand what's happening listener i i feel like i telegraphed that for you nick and nora return two years later in the shadow of the thin man this time it's murder at the racetrack you know that jockey golez the one who was caught throwing the fourth race yesterday he was shot why they're strict at this track mm-hmm. and you can bet there'll be a couple more corpses discovered before nick points the finger in the very last scene there's one thing about a murder case if you just let people talk long enough, sooner or later, somebody will spill the beans. Donna Reed, Barry Nelson, Jackie Cooper, 
and Sam Levine, co-star in the fourth movie of this vintage series. In the Shadow of the Thin Man. Cargill, this is the fourth of six Thin Men Mint movies, and we are talking about Shadow of the Thin Man from 1941. I just want to point I, now, out. Now that you've done that, I'll, all I'm going to hear the whole episode is Shadow of the Thin Mint. <laughs> Shadow of the Thin Mint, which is my autobiography. It's it's a it's a book about why I am not allowed to go outside in the month of April because those ah. chicks are relentless. Uh, should we really be making jokes about you not being able to go near little girls? Is that really where we want to go? Because that doesn't end in a good place. Look, don't make it gross. It's not the girls I'm interested in. It's their cookies. I don't know why you have to make that dirty. It's oh shit! I just heard it out loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, there it is. Erase not only the entire episode but the entire year of episodes. I am really sorry. No, those chicks are everywhere, dude. You walk into a drugstore, they're outside with a table. You walk into like a, a plasma donation center, they're outside with a table. You walk into I don't know like any given place, and they're out there, and they're just trying to hurt me. I feel like any resolution I make is completely undone in April by those crafty little winches. Also, we are big supporters of the Girl Scouts of America here on Junk Food Cinema. If that wasn't clear, know that I'm saying it now for legal reasons. Cargill, how excited are you that we have almost covered this entire franchise? Well, I mean, we are in the back half is where we are right now. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, excited isn't so much the word, um, but uh, what I because the thing is, I've really enjoyed every year around this time sitting down with Jess and watching a new Thin Man movie because we hadn't gone through them. And when you and I decided to go through them one by one, I've just been waiting to watch them instead of mainlining them in one night, as most of us cineasts would do. Once a year, I get to sit down with my wife. We make cocktails. We sit and do the Nick and Nora thing and watch a Nick and Nora movie. So am I excited that we're almost out of Nick and Nora movies? No. Am I excited <laughs> to be talking about a new Nick and Nora movie? Yes. It warms my heart. I, I'm the same way, Cargill. I have not binged them. It's like a little gift to myself every year to visit the next one. I get real excited about this time of year because I get to tear into the next one. And I have to say, right up top, Shadow of the Thin Man did not disappoint. Four movies in, and this franchise has yet to let me down. Yeah, and this is, this is actually one of the best. It's um, got arguably the greatest cast. Like the cast of this movie is impressive in ways that like for a theater kid like me who spent all of high school, that was my identity. And then I was a theater major in college. The fact that Stella Adler's in this fucking movie, Stella mm. fucking Adler, the woman who invented half of the acting classes that I took in college is in this movie in a rare film appearance. Yeah. There's a lot of great little, um, uh, cameos there's there's one of those wait what is she doing here in a very small role yeah uh, as is common in these thin man movies um it's uh it is uh very funny uh it is a well-written one i think the mystery is not as great as some of the others uh in terms of its resolution but it's a really good mystery that leads to a lot of great set pieces and then a really great final scene um, uh, because those are always the best and, and this one does not disappoint. Uh, it's, it's all, it all comes together. I got to say though, this is the most fun I've had with a thin man movie since the first thin man. Nice. Also, don't you love it? Cargill in the forties, 
when you could just present someone with a small amount of speculative evidence and they would just confess in the room. Like they would completely ignore the ways they could easily argue against it and just be like, I'm pulling a gun and you're not getting me. I'm getting, you're not taking me alive, copper. I'm getting out of here. And it's like, dude, if you had like just thought about it for two seconds, you could have argued against every, but you're just confessing. Okay. He's just confessing. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Greatest detective of all time. William Powell as Nick Charles is basically Batman. He is the world's greatest detective. <laughs> I mean, the really interesting thing about this one is almost everyone in this movie is guilty of something really bad. Yeah. So they're all terrified of being found out. So it's a really, it's a really great thing where it's like, hey, yeah, you're a bookie. We don't care. Um, it's yeah, murder. Yeah, on the, it's murder on the Thin Man Express. Yes. Yes. Everyone, everyone here is a criminal, but who committed the murder? That's the <laughs> question here. And it is great. Um, and also thin man movies always, always go for the person you're not expecting. Right. And so I was literally like doing the math, like how is Donna Reed the killer in this one? She doesn't seem to really, <laughs> it's gotta be Donna Reed, right? Cause it's the one, it's the one person we're told we're not supposed to expect. And then it's like, Oh no, it completely zinged you with that one. And it was, it was, it was well done. She's but, a oh. killer, a sadistic killer. And you'll find <laughs> oh, that's Patty Duke. That's not Donna Reed. What are you doing over? You go sit down until you get your fucking TV land shows. Correct. Brian. God yeah, damn. yeah. I was going to say, you know, it was uh, a little out there. The the good news is, Cargill, Patty Duke and Donna Reed are two names that no one listening to this knows. So if I had to admit, again, Car I am the killer in this movie. If I just hadn't admitted I had done it, I would have gotten away with it. You, uh, Yes, you absolutely would have. Uh, Nick Charles and Nora Charles, our favorite couple, are back. And, of course, they have young Nikki with them. Uh, and I got to say, Cargill, right up top adorable kid actor playing the son of Nick and Nora Charles. Like you, you don't always know what you're going to get, especially in a black and white movie with a kid actor. This mm -hmm. kid is goddamn adorable. And he's written really well. Yes. Um, I mean, the great thing about him is like, like there's this great bit early on where, uh, uh, where, uh, the, there's the, the discussion like, Oh yeah, he's, he's just like his father. And then it's like, you're too much like your mother. And it's, oh, I see how they're writing this kid to be the child of Nick and Nora. Exactly. And it's one of those things that when you have kids, you know, you use that, that, that particular turn of phrase when you just want to complain to your child about your spouse. Like, it's like, it, it may not even be completely accurate where you're just like, oh, you're so much like your mother. And then the mom says, oh, you're so much like your dad. What they're really saying is stop being an asshole. Like, you know, and, and I get it. I totally get it. As someone who is both married and has a child, sometimes you use your child as a conduit to say, maybe just stop being an asshole. But he's not. He's adorable. And he calls his dad out. One of my favorite things is he calls him out for always losing at the racetrack. Like, and I feel like he knows. He's like, did daddy go to the racetrack today? Did daddy win at the racetrack today? Does daddy ever win at the racetrack? I'm like, this kid knows. This This is a little troll, and I love him for it. Yes, yes, indeed. Before we get rolling, Cargo, I just have to ask you: uh, Do you want to have a snort? What are you What are you drinking over there? Oh, I'm. Uh, I am. Uh, I, I have discovered and fallen in love with a new cocktail this year. Ooh. And it is now. It has become one of my signatures when people come over and they're like, "Surprise me! I make them this." Uh, and it's something I learned over in London when I was making a film. Uh, there's a great, great, great uh, uh, series of movie theaters over there called Electric Cinema. And they have one that was a four-minute drive away from where we were staying. It was in White City. Um, uh, 
uh, uh, under the old BBC building and beautiful fucking theater, incredible sound and projection. Uh, they had three theaters down there and all the seats are big armchairs with an ottoman and the ottoman opens up so you can put your jacket in there. Um, like it I believe is. it's pronounced Turkish, but yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> but uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful place. Uh, um, uh, me and Jess went almost every week. Uh, everything that came out pretty much from uh, late February through uh, early June, we went and saw in this theater. And they had a bar upstairs that made just incredible cocktails. And they made this great cocktail there that I discovered called. Now I don't want to I don't want to derail you, Cargill, but is it possible that this will be your junk food pairing? Oh, it absolutely is. Okay, then I'm gonna bleep it, and at the end of the show, I want you to tell us the name of it again and what's in it, because as as anyone who has listened to any of the three previous Thin Man episodes will know, the junk food pairing is always going to be some sort of alcoholic beverage. So go ahead and file away that mystery, and we'll get you in the room. We'll lock the door at the police station at the end of this episode, and Cargill will reveal who the drink is but getting back to shadow of a thin man for just a second this is a movie where nick and nora charles decide to spend a relaxing day at the racetrack but wouldn't you know it right before they get to the racetrack a jockey is murdered and it sets off a series of mysterious events that leads to nick charles going up against the mob the gambling syndicate of the united states and immediately they had me hooked right there because i've talked about it a number of times i talked about it in our last man standing episode most recently I'm obsessed with organized crime movies, and one of the, the best things about 1940s organized crime movies is everybody talks really, really fast. If you are in the mob, if you are connected in any way in the 1940s, you talk like this, and everything goes like, hey, hey, that's a fine. How do you do? What do you hey, let me, oh, let, me, let me try that for a second. Yeah. After these messages, we'll be right back. Question. Who's drinking light beer? Fact is, Pabst Extra Light gives you more reason than ever. Fact, Pabst Extra Light is the first naturally brewed light beer with half the calories of our regular beer, and that's far less filling. Fact, natural brewing with no artificial ingredients makes it pure beer drinking pleasure. Pabst Extra Light, half the calories, all the tastes naturally. And those are the facts of light. Mother! Here I am talking about traditions of these fucking Thin Men episodes, and I forgot the most important one. Fished in. Fished in. Oh, God damn it. This is going to be. fell for it, too. I felt like I tumbled over the ottoman like Rob Petrie. That's how hard I fell for that. (laughs) And I didn't get that TV Land reference wrong, so fuck you. All right. Well, I'm drinking Lone Star because... uh, that's that's just the scumbag that I am, and I'm very happy to be that scumbag. Yeah, but you you did. I believe you said you did a couple shots and two beers before, and shotgun a couple of beers before you hopped into this, so you'd be feeling good and fuzzy by the end. Okay, so now that Cargill has blown up my spot, yes, let me just say that one of the best parts about doing these episodes is hearing people later tell me, "Yeah, you guys got a little off the rails by the end of that," and I knew that if I started drinking as the episode as we hit record i wouldn't be drunk enough by the end for people to you know lob that accusation against our show so yes i did a couple shots and i pounded three beers in about 40 minutes to get ready to record so strap in folks it's gonna be a bumpy night don't try this at home absolutely do not try responsibly drive responsibly don't be me is a lesson that i feel like i've been trying to teach you all over 10 years of this show so if if you haven't gotten that uh at this point i i can't help you that's really been the lesson that's been underlying the entire podcast 
Now, uh, speaking of being fucking luscious, um, how amazing is the Charles's shaker in this movie? You mean the fucking samovar sized martini shaker in this movie that comes with a strainer and is shaped like a teapot. So you can just keep pouring yourself the cocktails you've already shaken. Am I in love or am I fucking in love? Never ending cocktail. Uh, How do they? Where do you get Cargill? I have been going. I to, I, I went straight from watching this movie into doing this podcast with you, so I'm going to be looking that up later because uh, Cargill wants himself a Christmas present. That thing is enormous. That thing is like a water tower. Like I'm pretty sure Matthew McConaughey and his cronies are climbing that at the end of this movie. Like that thing is a fucking moon tower size. I I don't know what you fucking call that thing. It is a picture of martinis. You know what I love about those uh th- those uh, Girl Scouts? Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> They're cookies. Look, they keep uh, selling Thin Mints and stay the same age. Uh, you know, I'm glad you said that because now I look like slightly less of a creep. I appreciate you <laughs> you falling on that grenade. But Cargill, this is also the Thin Mint episode that plays to a lot of my specific loves. For example, Cargill, Barry Nelson, in his screen debut in this movie as Paul Clark, was technically the first James Bond. So immediately I'm like, okay, I'm plugged in with that. I'm plugged in. about the TV version of Casino Royale? Yeah, where he was named Jimmy Bond and he was American agent. It's terrible. Don't get me wrong. It's bad. That does not stop me from owning it on VHS. And it doesn't stop the fact that he is 100% in this movie. And I appreciate that. Uh, but also, Cargill, they go to a, they go to a wrestling match. They go to a wrestling match in this movie. They Cargill, go to wrestling. Go to, oh, my God. Oh, they don't just go to a wrestling match. They go to a wrestling match where Tor Johnson is wrestling. Tor Johnson, one of the stars of Plan 9 from Outer Space and one of the great big man wrestlers of all time with a rare curly fucking haircut he was famously bald as one of the greatest heels of all time he had a menacing bald head in this movie he is wearing a curly wig like he's he's goddamn little orphan annie and i fucking love it so much cargo they go to a wrestling match in this movie they do and at the wrestling match is jody gilbert jody gilbert is at the wrestling match who's jody gilbert Sorry. Jody Gilbert, uh, she has shown up before. She uh, she did is one of those great character actresses. Whenever you needed a big, large woman, oh, um, sure. yeah, she's the girlfriend of Spider Web in this. But immediately, like me and Jess sat right up and we're like, oh, it's uh, it's Shemp's girlfriend from Hell's a Poppin'. Oh, um, there it is. Yes, of course. Yeah. Of course. Of yeah. Course. The one that Shemp is constantly trying to to uh, uh, to woo while while showing the movie. Um, and she, in a lot of stuff, I had looked her up and, and she did just tons of, uh, TV and movies just was always that person who do the walk on bit. Uh, I think her biggest film is a little thing called Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. Hey, speaking of Amber Sands, I almost called the comedy duo of hell's a pop and shields and Darnell, but that's <laughs> shields and Yarnell is the fucking mimes that somehow got a TV show in the seventies. Yeah, this is Ole and Johnson. Ole and Johnson. Thank you very much. That really, that fucking, I was like, wait, what is happening right now? Why am I saying Shields and Yarnell? That is not correct at all. Don't, guys, I just want to take this moment to get on a, a soapbox and say, do not support mimes. 
Just don't do it. That's this is not. We don't need to bring that craze back. I don't care how hipstery this country has become. We do not need miming to become moms. Moms everywhere. Moms walking against the wind, wasting my time, trapped in that small little box. Don't you hate those moms? <laughs> don't say this. Don't say that. There's a mom. <laughs> so I put some pain upon my face and said. Mom, mom, everywhere a mom. See, because they don't talk. That's the joke. Yeah, and the mom said, <laughs> "Ask your grandparents what yes. we're referencing." Yeah, yeah, we're we're going we're going deep in this episode. Jesus, we're already off the rails. I love it. I love it. This is exactly where I wanted to be. That's what the two shots of cherry vanilla rum and the three Dosecchi's salt and lime got me to. This is where I was hoping we'd end up. Uh, maybe not 14 minutes in, but this is pretty much where I was hoping we'd end up. One of my favorite things about this wrestling match, by the way, Cargo, is that wrestling in this country about this time was just becoming popular. Mm-hmm. In fact, for a long time, baseball had a monopoly on American sporting events. Like there was pretty much nothing else established. And it was right about this time that wrestling, boxing, tennis, other sports started to become a, a more of a national, I won't say pastime because that has, has been baseball for a very long time, but it, it started to be a thing that people were flocking to because it was an alternative to baseball. And this is in the era, of course, long before the McMahons consolidated everything. So you still had the territories, the regionals. It was, just, it was just such a really cool, exciting time where wrestling was akin to sort of a traveling circus and it would come to town and it was a big deal. And it's such a hot commodity that this movie has not one, but two jokes about wrestling being predetermined. Dude, he breaks kayfabe. Fucking Nick Charles in 1941 breaks kayfabe and talks about, oh, we're attending the rehearsal. I'm just like, holy shit, dude. They're talking about this already. Yeah. And that great scene, that great moment where where Nora is just like, I hope you get out of this. Thanks, lady. Thanks, lady. As he's in a headlock. So good. And I love the way (laughs) Nora Charles watches wrestling. Because Nora Charles watches wrestling the way my six-year-old watches wrestling. And it made me love her even more. Where she's looking at the match. She's looking at the competitors. But then, like, unconsciously, she's putting Nick Charles in a headlock as somebody in the ring is in a headlock. She's just like, oh, shit. And, like, putting him in a headlock as it's happening in the ring. Like, she's a mark. I love Nora Charles for being a mark in this movie. She is a full-on fucking mark. God bless you, Myrna Loy. (laughs) <laughs> that's the way we should all be watching wrestling i don't care if you know it's predetermined it's not fake people still get hurt because you still have to actually fuck it i'm sorry now i'm on replay preview i know this is junk food cinema it's not fake it's predetermined and i love the way that she watches predetermined sports quick sidebar i thought we were in one but yes let's go to another one i mean uh, this is a sidebar of a sidebar. If you this have is a not sidebar heard yet, pub crawl, I feel if you've not heard yet and seen yet the iron claw fucking go see it immediately. The iron claw is fucking fantastic. Uh, it, it is a wonderful, wonderful biopic that, that even my wife who is not a wrestling fan fucking loved, uh, just very, very good. So that is my, uh, go out and see a new movie, uh, uh, pitch. Dude, the Von Erichs are one of the most interesting and most tragic stories in professional wrestling. I just got my award screener today. Uh, oh. I would also recommend oh, if, if you, you are want to know. Treat. You are dude, in for a treat. If you want to know what you're in for with this movie, 
I would highly recommend watching Dark Side of the Ring, a documentary series that's available, I think, still on Hulu. Uh, no, don't. Um, watch it after. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. No, 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 wow. no, no. Go, go enjoy the, because I did this, because Jessica walked away going, how much of that is real? And I was like, oh, they cut some stuff out because nobody would believe how tragic the real story is. Oh, and wow. so we went home and I showed her the uh, the Dark Side of the Ring episode on the Von Erics. And she was like, there was another brother? And it's like, yeah, but um, oof, oof. It's funny. No. I love that Cargill's idea is to basically kneecap you emotionally as you try to walk into this theater like fucking <laughs> Jeff Galuli. It's a fucking emotional movie. And if you don't know the story, it's 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 a rough one. And it's it it's one of those things that I knew the story and I got to watch the experience of my wife who had never even heard of the Von Erics and and have her keep leaning over going, what? <laughs> it's like, oh, just wait. It just reminded me of the fact that there is a Walgreens employee like two blocks from where I live who fought Eric Von Eric at one point. He was a prophet. He was telling me all this. And it was crazy because I knew he was telling the truth because the names he was dropping, you wouldn't drop those names if you didn't actually. Fit. He was talking about wrestling junkyard dog in Japan and at one point wrestled Eric Von Eric and his wrestling name was uh, Manny the Maniac. And he was kind of a jobber, a local jobber guy, but he was talking about and all because I was just wearing a wrestling t-shirt. He started telling me these stories, and I'm like, oh, my God, I want to interview you for three hours. Like, I want to hear all of your insane wrestling stories. And now he's just a manager at the fucking Walgreens, and it's amazing. Uh, but, yeah. Hey, hey, if you were in wrestling in the 80s uh, and you can still stand at a job, yes, bravo. Good bravo. for you. Walgreens famously does not provide chairs for its employees, so you no. must have done something right, Manny. Yep. No, but... I just remember hearing that and, and it blowing my mind. Also, I love the fact that I sometimes struggle to remember the first three digits of my social, but I remember the name Jeff Galuli without missing a beat. No matter how many shots I've had, I can remember the name Jeff Galuli. What is wrong with my brain? Uh, I have theories, but uh, they don't <laughs> they don't involve the thin man. <laughs> By the way, uh, this movie is a real interesting study in weeks. And by that, I mean, it was uh, it was once again directed by W.S. Van Dyke, who managed to shoot this whole movie in two weeks. Oh, yeah. Which is insane to me. Even in the 40s, that's fucking insane to me. But apparently, One Take Woody was W.S. Van Dyke's nickname. Uh, by the way, it's also my nickname, but for different reasons. But yeah, he was able to shoot this whole movie in two weeks. That, that was a long time for these movies. Was it <laughs> wasn't like the first one done in like eight days? <laughs> so you think he was really like absolutely- He's taking his time with this yeah. one? He's getting extra coverage. <laughs> yeah, he was really being a Stanley Kubrick about this. Like he had, even though he's one take Woody, those takes are really, really long. And that's why it took all of two weeks to film two this movie. Two weeks. And then this movie also hit theaters about two weeks before Pearl Harbor. I was wondering, like, because this movie opens with, you know, little Nikki Charles in a full on like Navy uniform. He, you know, he and his dad and Aster the dog are walking in the park and he's wearing a full on Navy uniform, which apparently uh, when World War II was happening and America was kind of hanging on the sidelines, trying not to get involved. Suddenly there was a spike in military uniform sales for kids. And I don't mean like dress up clothes. Like he looks like fucking Richard Gere at the end of Officer and a Gentleman in this fucking oh, uniform. You know what that reminds me of? What's that? After these messages, we'll be right back. 
fire brewing. It's more than a way to make strohs and stroh light. It's a family tradition passed down from one generation to another for over 200 years. It's what guarantees that smooth, consistent taste for generations to come. Fuck you. Yeah. But he, you're walking through the park. And this is the, where he's like, I'm going to read you a, 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 I'm going to read you a fairy tale. And he just starts reading the racing form. And this, that's the thing Cargill about these movies. And we've said it every single episode. I don't care how old these movies are. I laugh out loud so many times, just the sharp dialogue in these movies. Mm-hmm. It's one of their, like their greatest strengths is that it's just rapid fire jokes so funny, so quick, so clever. And honestly, like there were a couple of them I laughed at and I went, I shouldn't get this joke at 39, but I still did. And I I, I really have to credit uh, Irving Breckner and Harvey Kernitz for turning into screenplay, of course, based on characters created by Dashiell Hammett. So again, not to go back to Last Man Standing, but here within three weeks, we have two Dashiell Hammett inspired products and I could not be happier about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and this one is very funny. Oh, there's yeah. lots of great jokes. There's uh, um, uh, there's a whole great thing about summoning uh, Nick by starting to make uh, cocktails. Where he looks up and he's like, "Something important is happening, Junior," and I feel like we need to be there. And then they cut to they cut to Nora Charles making a cocktail. Yeah, <laughs> and he just comes running home. It's so good. Yeah, and then a couple of problematic jokes surrounding that, but you just kind of like, all right, it's 1942. Let's move on. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a fair amount of like we need to just kind of pretend this character isn't in the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. But honestly, I God, I can't believe I'm about to fucking say this. I watched Santa with muscles the other day. Oh, I can't believe you said that either. No, and here's why I can't believe I'm saying this because Shadow of the Thin Man is more racially sensitive than Santa with muscles is. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's the full extent that's of my argument. That's that's the tweet. <laughs> like. Yes, they have the the sort of like, uh, you know, the housekeeper character, the the Hattie Hattie Williams was that her name from Gone with the Wind. Uh, they kind of have that character going on here. They have a character of indeterminate um, uh, Asian origin at one point, but nothing is as offensive as Brutus the Barber Beefcake in full Fu Manchu in Santa with muscles. Again, these sentences that I say out loud on this show. Yeah. Kind of break my brain every time. It's not that it's not untrue. It's just that that collection of words came out of my mouth. Wait up, Santa hears about this. He'll kick your butt to New Year's. Keep the milk and cookies warm. But the, uh, the, the rest of the humor in this movie really hits. There's a lot of great jokes here. And in fact, one of the things uh, me and Jess really appreciated about this particular movie is there were no jokes about Nora's intelligence in this one. Not one. Not one like nor that was like in the later movies that was kind of like their running thing is like Nora's not intelligent. It's like fuck you, she is. Um, and uh, and then here she even gets a really great crazy moment, which is kind of fucking awesome. Yeah, where it proves she's not only intelligent but incredibly brave, like braver than any man in this movie has ever been. <laughs> is that what we're talking about? Oh yes, so good, so good. One of my favorite jokes in this movie is Nick Charles has decided he's going to go back to where the 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 catalytic crime of this movie is that a jockey is murdered in a shower and he said you know he's going to go back to the crime scene and investigate looking for evidence 
And she's like, well, I'll come with you because you always pop better when I'm around. And he's like, not in a men's shower. And he sends her home with this line, which is, I'll tell you what, you go home, cold cream that lovely face, slip into an exciting negligee. Yes. And I'll see you at breakfast. Like, it's just like such a great, you bait the hook. You think he's going to say something kind of saucy. And then he's just like, and I'll see you in the morning. Like, it's just such a fucking great joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. We're just whipping these these incredible sort of witticisms around. And like, I feel like a study in comedy. Like, I, you know, a lot of people think that movies like this are dated, but everyone that we've watched for this show, I feel like you could learn so much from in just the way that comedy is structured, in the way that you set up a joke, in the way that you pay it off. Like, there's a joke in this movie, Cargill, that it doesn't even, none of the characters. How even, funny is it? It's so it's so funny that none of the characters actually have to speak it for me to be laughing, which is where the old, uh, the old landlord is carrying around a radio, listening to mm. a murder mystery program. Yep. And you just hear this character talking to his crone, like this sort of villainous character talking to his second in command and saying, did you get the Tommy guns? Yes. Chief. Did you get the, the poison powder? Yes. Chief. Did you get the train tickets? Super chief. And I laughed so fucking hard. And then I realized that it's one of those jokes that I should not get at 39. It's a reference to the fact that Super Chief was a type of train you could take. <laughs> yes. But it's just like, they literally set up the rule of threes. They baited the hook. No one in the movie is speaking these lines, and they're still having me rolling on the floor. And then there's the great, that whole sequence involves the landlady being really excited to be talking to a detective so she can use all the lingo she knows from her shows. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. Oh, and having so the time good. of her life. It's fucking great. Speaking of which, you you mentioned Kubrick a little earlier. One of the actors in here, in fact, one of the 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 linchpins of this movie uh, is Barry Nelson, mm -hmm. who's in The Shining. Yes, you're right. He's the guy that gives Jack the job. Yep. Holy, you know what, Cargo? I have to admit, after that James Bond, you know, 1955 TV adaptation, I kind of forget that Barry Nelson did other things. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, oh my God, you're right. Barry Nelson was the original, like the, the owner or the CEO or whatever of the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. No, he did a bunch of things. He, you know, I love a guy named Joe, um, which was, was Spielberg remade as always. And then, of um, course, uh, you know, all of our listeners are going to tell us because I did ask, and we'll go through some of the answers. I did ask on social media what everyone's uh, cinematic resolution for 2024 was in terms of junk food cinema or what they thought ours should be in terms of movies we, we haven't covered yet that they'd like to see us covered and i'm gonna guess right now there's gonna be a lot of airport 70 this and airport 70 that oh really oh yeah i've been getting that for years people saying why don't you cover the airport movies and part of me's like because i feel like airplane did it better and i don't know what to do <laughs> But yeah, no, I've been getting that for years. And Barry Nelson isn't in, in, he's in at least one of those airport movies. Yeah. So, he's an airport. He's in, he's an airport. So we may very well be seeing him again, but yeah, it's, I, I just forget. Sometimes I forget that he did other movies because that made for TV. Uh, I guess in a Royale is very, very bad. I mean, maybe, maybe we have a, a point uh, where sometime next year we do a series called it's a disaster. And uh, <laughs> we just cover the old disaster movies. <laughs> We're going to need an Irwin Allen wrench to work in all the jokes necessary about disaster movies. Uh, yeah. God damn it. Cargo. What is wrong with me? I am 39 years old and I could quote you Irwin Allen movies. Why? What is well, happening in my brain? Um, Because you 
misspent your fucking youth, my man. <laughs> I remember you being a 20 something being over at my house at midnight watching Italian knockoff movies. Like, what do you think you were doing? So you're saying I've wasted my life, father? Is that is it? I'm in a, I'm in a confessional Look, look, right look, look. As you, you ended up with a significant other who tolerates it, and you got kids out of it. So you're doing fine. But what's wrong with you? Misspent youth. <laughs> Question asked and diagnosed. Thank you very much, Cargo. But yeah, though, I, I love this movie because what Nick Charles is doing in this film, because shortly after the jockey's murder, we have the murder. There's a point in this movie, Cargo, Oh, there's We're, a point in this movie where they go, after these messages, we'll be right back. All right, now let's get a hitter up there. You kid, what's your name? Ruth, sir. Ruth, Ruth, what? George Herman Ruth, sir. But my friends call me Babe. Babe. Another Babe Ruth. Well, step up to the plate, Babe, and maybe swat out a few. When you've got a well-known name, people expect a lot. We've got a beer named after the city that means beer. Old Milwaukee. It's a tough name to live up to, but Old Milwaukee is one of the fastest growing major beers in the country. Tell me, babe, you don't happen to know any kids named Garrick, do you? Old Milwaukee beer tastes as great as its name. Motherfucker, motherfucker. Yeah, there's a point in this movie where the two, like, the two supposed heavies are journalists engaged in a journalistic showdown. Like a, a journal feud. It's like the Hatfields and McCoys of, of journalists, and I've never seen anything like it before. They're ready to kill each other. It brings a brings a new meaning to the word press gang. Hey, oh, stop the presses before someone gets killed. This is how you talk in a movie like this. This is how it happens. You got to talk a little faster if you're going to talk like this. You got to use the Mid-Atlantic accent, which my wife, in it, my wife mistakenly called the Midwestern accent. And I was like, nope, that's not us. I thought uh, it was continental. <laughs> Only if it's saying at the hotel from John Wick. Look, this movie has a lot of fast talking. You got to keep up. But at one point, it was really fascinating to me that there are two guys trying to murder each other, rolling around on the floor who are both journalists. Like, they're not gangsters, or one of them kind of is. One of them is sort of like a gangster slash investigative journalist, which is now a thing, but I didn't previously know it's a thing you could be. That's a very crowded business card is all I'm saying. Very much is. And they're just like, they're just like going after each other. They're both trying to get the scoop on how it is that this one particular guy is running gambling for the syndicate, et cetera, et cetera. And then one of these guys, the, the greasier of the Whitey Barrow. Yes. The, the, the greasier of the pugilistic, uh, published Pulitzer winning. I'm just doing the alliteration thing. The two journalists, the, the greasier one ends up dead. And Barry Nelson is the prime suspect because he's in the room after the fight. He's been knocked out. You know, Whitey has been knocked out. But when Whitey comes to, somebody's at the door and plugs him, I believe is the terminology. Um, Phrasing. And so Barry Nelson is the chief suspect. But our good friend Nick Charles is not so convinced that he is the one that did it. So from there, we're trying to solve that murder. And what I love about this one is that it is revealed. And this is a spoiler. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It is revealed that the catalytic murder, the jockey in the shower, was not a murder at all. It was a, a botched suicide attempt or a suicide attempt that was uh, attempted to be sort of like he decided not to do it, but then he accidentally killed himself anyway. But Nick Charles knows that if he lets the media think that it is, in fact, a murder and that the same murderer did both murders, then the real murderer will come forward to try and clear his name of the first murder because obviously he didn't do it. And I've never really seen anything like that. 
in a murder mystery before, and I was really impressed with it. The idea yeah. that you use a fake murder to solve a real murder. Yeah, no, it, it was. It's 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 very clever. And by the way, you mentioned him once already, but one of my favorite things about these movies, Cargill, is that Nick Charles knows every scumbag and low life in every given town. Oh yeah, it's such a great, such a great gimmick. And, and and speaking of gimmicks, when he's at the wrestling show, he runs into old comrades like Spider Web and Meatballs Murphy. Open anything interesting lately? Just car doors, not banks. Or like I, you know, I got sent up the river. It was a, I was a victim of circumstance. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think the Three Stooges might have a case here. Uh, but he definitely says I was a victim of circumstance. I got framed by the DA before he found out I was guilty. <laughs> Which is such a great joke. But then we also have Meatballs Murphy, who is selling hot dogs. And Cargill, did you hear his pitch? Did you hear his his carnival bark about why you should buy these hot dogs? Pound of meat and a loaf of bread for 10 cents. A pound of meat and a loaf of bread for 10 cents. I would die in the 40s. Like, I'm starting to realize why so many men had heart attacks at 37 in oh, this yeah. era. Yeah, why, it's, it's why everyone 37 looks 57. You know what? I could use a little cream in my scotch. You know, it's just like these people were not like, could I have a uh, cigarette martini, please? Like Now, people- hold on, kids. We're not going to give you syrup because we're going to be healthy. We're going to douse it in butter. <laughs> that is the one thing missing from my pound of meat and my loaf of bread is a half pound of butter. Please, uh, Meatballs Murphy, if you would slather on some fucking butter onto that hot dog. My God. Put a little sour cream on that baked potato. Oh my God. Put sour cream on that sour cream and then put some sauerkraut on top of that. You're just eating it by the handful. That just reminded me there's a movie we have not covered that we may need to cover at some point. Let's sidebar this shit and talk about it. There's a fun movie from the 90s called The Stoned Age. Um, the and stoned age, the stoned age. It is a bananas, low budget movie with a surprisingly interesting cast. Uh, and there's this great bit, uh, where Taylor Negron, uh, the late great Taylor Negron plays, uh, you guys know him best as pizza dude from, uh, um, uh, from, uh, uh, fast times at Ridgemont high. Yeah. Fast times at Ridgemont high. Um, and he plays a liquor store uh, employee who's about to sell alcohol to some miners, uh, before cops come in, but he, they're like talking about that. They're going to go hook up with some ladies and he's like, Oh yeah, yeah. Do this, do that. You know, put a little sour cream on that baked potato. Wow. Um, little sour cream on that baked potato. So, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a stupid fun movie, uh, with, uh, uh, with, with some really fun people in it. And so we, I, I may need to revisit it first see if it holds up but it was one of those uh frequent watched in the 90s uh with friends movies i find this very offensive cargo very offensive indeed because taylor negron is probably best known as the assassin from the last boy scout mm. you don't think so i mean i'm there with it i'm to there the junkions with it. you don't think that's who he's best known as i mean well the thing is is that they used to do uh fast time screening here in austin uh at the draft house and they would always fly in taylor negron and they would pull the uh, Tim League special right before that scene, um, uh, and they would uh, they would uh, the the it would eat the film, 
and uh you know it, and then they'd have to shut down the projector and then the doors would open and taylor negron would walk in with pizza and go did anybody order pizza oh that's right i remember this yes yeah of and they did that regular and then they would bring out pizza for everybody and uh <laughs> so uh so i always think of taylor negron as best being known as as being from fast times i guess i cannot argue with that star grove Grove. After so- these messages, we'll be right back. On Decker, you may not have heard of it yet, but you will. On Decker, you may not think a beer this expensive could be worth the extra money, but you will. On Decker, costly ingredients, patient aging. You don't know what a difference that makes, but you will. On Decker, most expensive taste in beer. If you haven't tried it yet. Will. I'm just not even going to acknowledge it anymore. I feel like when when I tell you how much it upsets me, when I tell you how much it raises my blood pressure, when I tell you how quickly you're going to put me into a 1940s man's grave, it's just it just it just makes it worse. So <laughs> yes, it's happening. But you know, we have this murder, of course, of a journalist trying to simultaneously trying to expose the syndicate, but also make money off of them. Like he's a very interesting character, Whitey, uh, before he is brutally murdered. Uh, but as we go along here, we start to, we start to question whether certain people may have had more to do with this than we thought. And one of those people is Claire Porter played by Stella Adler. What an interesting character. You know, Stella Adler was only in three movies. Stella Adler basically invented you know, like she was one of the inventors of method acting. She is a lot of the modern school of performances is, is dedicated to her. Her most famous student, of course, is Marlon Brando. And she was only in three movies because she was much more of a stage actress. But I really like her character in this because, you know, much like an ogre, she's got layers. She's got layers, Cargill. I mean, her her first movie sounds like a a, a really dirty sex uh, position. What What is it? Love on Toast. <laughs> is that not a it's not a spinal tap album i feel like it that's sounds probably... like it's a spinal tap album <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be a spinal tap look it up look it up folks um well no she's great in this as a high society woman who's who's harboring a secret and it's like <laughs> did she she had a motive to kill this person because he was blackmailing her but did she do it i just really think this is an interesting character and again, it's it's very novel because you know it's a, one of only three Stella Adler roles. Yeah. And then we have Rainbow Benny, played by Lou Lubin, another suspect here, is very much the sort of like go to 1940s <laughs> crime film, fast talking sort of weasel character. I feel like you see this a lot in these type of movies. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of them here. There's a lot of fast talking weasels in this movie. There's more fast talking weasels in this than in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, yeah wow that i'm not going to open my tight five with that one but just so you know uh that 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 is in fact true um but yeah no just the the way we go along here we're trying to solve the mystery you know it's funny very much like batman i know batman returns was our episode last week we didn't mention this in the episode what i think is so interesting between batman 89 and batman returns in 92 is that in that short period of time Batman has gone from sort of an urban legend and someone the cops are trying to track down and arrest to being vital to the infrastructure of Gotham City to the point that as soon as a crime happens, 
Commissioner Gordon rolls up in a car, doesn't even get out. He just puts on the radio, put the signal on. What are you waiting for? In other words, we can't deal there's with been this. A murder. Get Batman. Yeah, there's been a murder here. Get Batman. We can't be expected to deal with crime ourselves. We're just police. And this movie has the same bumbling picture of police departments oh, yeah. as the Batman movies do. It really does. Everyone in town knows Nick Charles. And they're like, uh, uh, one of the great gags of this movie is he always just happens to be wherever a murder happens. They're like, how'd you get here so quick? He keeps showing up right before the murder. <laughs> like it's, You know what? It's a murder she wrote situation. Nick Charles might have been the one who done it. But yeah, these police literally swarm his car and like, oh my God, you're Nick Charles. You're Nick Charles. And there's a great line where they're like, he's like, aren't you investigating a murder? And there's like, oh, there's no hurry. And the fucking police chief comes in and reams them. But then as soon as they, he he disperses them, he just goes, hello, Nick, how's it going? And Nora <laughs> Charles is like, didn't you say you're investigating a, a, a corpse in there? And she go, he goes, he's not oh, going he, anywhere. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> but that happens twice in this movie. And both times the police chief has a really directed barb at his at his officers. And my favorite is you anemic bloodhounds get to work. That is just, oh, I love it so much. But yeah, like even the police chief at one point in this movie is always like, thanks, Nick. I've got it now. What do I got? Like if it weren't for Nick Charles, no murders in this town would ever get solved. No, no, they would not. It's it's Nick Charles versus all of the, the world crime league as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and, and it's just, it's such a great joke where like it's constantly just the police going. Well, we don't know, Nick. What do you think? And and I, that's another reason why I think by the end of the movie, whatever theory Nick Charles comes up with is the one they're going to go with, because no one else has put forth any effort to actually solving these crimes. And in fact, there's a great gag where they're on their way to the racetrack, and she tells him not to speed, and he's like, you know, don't tell me what to do. He's like talking to himself, but then he hears the police motorcycle behind him, and he's just like, put me in a hole. I'm just a mouse. Damn it. Like he, he knows he's fucked up and the, the cop, even though he gives him a ticket is like, you know, I respect you so much. Let me give you an escort to the racetrack. And there's a great gag with the rotoscope. It's like one of the great touch tones you see in these movies is in driving sequences. Two things you always see. You always see way too much movement of the steering wheel because they're not actually driving and the actors are just putting way too much physical emphasis on this steering wheel. Like they should be swerving in and out of lanes of traffic if that's how much they're actually moving the steering wheel and the other is you rotoscope in the background and the foreground they're not actually driving right well they do that in this movie but the joke is that the police escort is actually slower than if he was just driving on the highway so they rotoscope in lanes of traffic passing him on both sides while he's behind this police escort and it's so goddamn funny yeah, well, that whole sequence is just just great comedy. It's like, you working on a case right now? Yeah, I'm trying to get out of the speeding ticket. Oh, that sounds like a good one. <laughs> if anyone can break that one, it's Nick Charles. Like, he, the cop doesn't understand what he's saying at all. <laughs> and he's going to give him a ticket, not because he's like a by-the-book police officer, but because he wants the autograph in his ticket book. It's so goddamn funny. Like, there's so many great jokes in this that are just timeless. But the other thing about this movie is that it is a glimpse into the past. And one of my favorite scenes that is a glimpse into the past is the carousel scene. Because there was a time, Cargill, not to, not to get all old man Cargill about this. Old 
man Cargill, that old man Cargill. But there was a time in this country where getting on a carousel, you would go around and you would try to grab a little ring from a brass ring. The brass ring. That's where we get that expression. Go Mm -hmm. for the brass ring. We got the brass ring on this one is because carousels used to have this dispenser of rings. And every time you'd go around, the kids would try to grab this ring. And the joke is that little Nicky Jr. is making Nick grab every fucking brass ring out of this dispenser. And then you know what the ring's for, right? I don't. Please tell me, old man Cargill. The the brass ring got you a free ride. So if you you were supposed to stay on your horse and if you could reach over and grab a brass ring, you got to ride again. That's really interesting. I didn't realize that. So how that's many- how that's where and that's where that phrase comes from is that, you know, you're you're reaching for the brass ring. You're trying to you're trying to score. You're trying to score. You're trying to get that free ride. You're trying to get that win. Um, and then but you would often fall off your horse doing it because it wasn't the easiest thing in the world. I was going to say, for every brass ring you got, you lost a finger and two teeth. So, <laughs> you know, I can kind of understand why they stopped doing this practice. How many brass rings did you get in your lifetime, Cargill? Uh, never, never. I, uh, uh, you know, uh, by the time it, that became a, by the time uh, 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 I was of uh, carousel riding ages, uh, age, the uh, the carousels were free. Uh, you didn't pay to get on them anymore because they were kind of a hokey old timey thing. And I grew up, uh, you know, when I was really young, I grew up in upstate New York, which has the the oldest remaining wooden um, carousels. Uh, they have six wooden carousels in in one area, and it's where my family's from. And so me and Jess one season went up for Christmas, and I took her on all six. You can get a card and, you know, get get a button if you have achieved, get have ridden all six of them. Look, it was a joke. They're just all free. I was trying to set up a joke where you are super, super old, and I realize it's played out, and it's crass, and it's hackney, and I won't do that anymore. I just want to know how many of your classmates had polio. Well, <laughs> less less and less as the vaccine showed up. Only the ones that did their own research still had polio, I believe. I mean, you happened. say that, but the thing is, is, I actually had a teacher that had polio. Shut the exactly. fuck up. Are you serious? I swear to God. He, I he should had, feel bad about this, but I don't keep talking. He had, he had, he had the deformed arm, uh, and would tell us about it on day one. He'd be like, okay, so you're wondering. So I had polio when I was a child. And so, yes, I actually, I actually knew someone who suffered from polio. I just imagine you looking at him and going, well, it seems like we have more to fear than fear itself. Somebody lied to me. I think joke is you're old Gargill. God damn it. Get on I'm board old. with this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm really really old. See, Robert Cargill was always old. You know what's crazy, Cargill? Speaking of you being old, sidebar. I remember your 34th birthday because you did a whole bit where you had survived longer than Jesus, and so you brought a bunch of water bottles filled with wine. And you dressed, <laughs> you dressed like Jesus. And now I'm realizing that I'm almost 40. Like we've been friends long enough that I remember your 34th birthday. <laughs> wasn't that, wasn't that the apocalypse party? It was one of the new year's evil parties for sure. For sure. Yeah. It was one of the new year's evil parties. Uh, I want to say it was the third one, new year's evil 3d, but I can't say for sure. Yeah. No, the, uh, uh, there, there was a time where I, I, 
bear uh, I bore a passing resemblance to the white ideal of Jesus. <laughs> and I loved having a lot of fun with that. I love um, to hear you fucking qualify that shit. That was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's uh 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 you I, I have all the jokes, you know. Um uh uh hey baby, you want to get with the Lord? I'm hung like this. Oh Lord. Oh my lord. <laughs> and the thing is, you just got the visual. You didn't even need to see me do it. I did well, I know you is the other part of that. <laughs> the unfortunate part of that is, yes, I've known you long enough to know exactly what you're doing right now. But yeah, no, it, it's crazy. I was I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, wow, I've known Cargill long enough to know him when he was a fucking upstart little brat in his early 30s. And then I went, I'm not even an upstart little brat in my early 30s anymore. No, no. I remember I was t- discussing this the other day because I was t- talking about my 30th birthday party where Brian Brushwood performed. Oh, wow. <clears throat> That yeah. may have been like right before, or maybe maybe the year before I moved here. That's crazy. That's nuts. Yep. Yeah. Wow. By the way, I need to bring back New Year's Evil. I feel like it's a thing that needs to happen. We're 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 due up for the eighth one, and I'm thinking New Year's Evil eight. We're just going to turn that bitch sideways. It's going to be New Year's Evil Infinity. I've got an like, idea for it. Please tell me. Fuck the fuck the episode. Fuck the show. Tell me what your idea is for New Year's Evil Infinity. New Year's Evil eight. After these messages, we'll be right back. Presenting the cold, refreshing mountains of Bush. The mountain, symbol of all the good natural ingredients that go into Bush. The symbol of all the good natural taste that pours out. Always smooth and natural and refreshing. Bush after bush after bush. Hey, phrasing! So don't just reach for a beer. Head for the mountains. I walked in. I walked in. <laughs> I held the door right open for you. You fuck. You didn't even describe Rambo. Didn't even describe the bungee stick trap, and I still fucking walked into it. God damn it! So this movie. Um, one of the things about that scene on the carousel. Remember we were talking about that. Uh, <laughs> the thing about the scene on the carousel is that Nick Charles is drunk, and by the way, just like kudos for the ability to be a drunk parent nick charles way to go but he's drunk on this carousel and being drunk on a carousel based on this movie seems like the last motherfucking place on the planet that you want to be drunk but all the other kids are mocking nick charles because he's a scaredy cat he's too scared to get on one of these horses he's not scared you fucking morons he has an inner ear problem when he drinks his equilibrium is completely off and he's worried he's going to fall down but you can see that it makes his son sad to hear all these kids call his dad a Frady cat. And Nick sees that and he goes and against all of his equilibrium, against all of his liver screaming in him, he gets up on one of these horses and all these kids are shut down. And his kids just like, who's a Frady cat now, you little fucks. And it reminded me that there there's something about your kid being sad, even if it's just like just like making a sad face that you will do anything under the sun to make that sad face go away. And I love that that's in this movie. And I love that he is so fucking hammered that as soon as he gets up on that horse, it's like everything goes double, but it's like, that is how much we will try and make our kids happy that we will do stupid shit like this. I can't tell you how much stupid shit I've done like this to turn a frown into a smile. It's, and it's it's like a really weird thing. I know it probably wouldn't have mattered to me a few years ago, but it it really like it was such a sweet moment that it just it just made me love this franchise even more. Yeah. 
Yeah. This is a this is a really great one. Uh, I had a super super fun time with this one. And th- and there's that line when he gets off and and you know the little kid just goes, "You're swell, daddy," which is already sweet, but then Nick just goes, "Oh, thanks, sonny. I'll buy you an earthquake tomorrow." Like it's just like he's so fucking hammered that he's barely keeping it together. And I love that they use like speed ramping to show that the dog is also drunk and also I was about up. to I was about to say that, you know, uh I was literally about to bring that up. So, you know, before we wrap up, I was going to be like, "Hey, um can we talk about how many weird camera tricks they use on Asta as if they just discovered them?" Yes, thank you. Yes, Asta is getting like the that we're slowing down the footage, we're speed ramping the footage. Like I've seen Friday the 13th movies that don't have this much slow motion. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird how they use Asta in this one, but Asta is also a lot of fun in this one. So uh, uh, there's good stuff. Do you think Tor Johnson was in this movie and was like, "Oh, this is uh, this is what acting is." I would love to keep doing this for Mister Edward Wood Jr. <laughs> I mean, you 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 end up in a movie like this where you're like, "I really want to be in movies. I want to be in pictures," and you, you take whatever gig you get. And I bet. Part of the reason uh, Edward went with Tor Johnson is like, oh, he's been in a big movie. He was in one of the Thin Man movies. It's huge. It's like being one of the side character actors in a um, in a Fast and Furious movie. It's like, oh, this guy was in Fast and Furious. He's good. It's going to be huge. So you're saying Tor Johnson is the Shea Wiggum of this franchise? Uh, yes. <laughs> Did that melt your brain a little bit, putting all those words together? because it melted <laughs> mine for there. sure uh we need to talk about uh before we get out of here the the i don't know if you'd call it a cameo uh because it's her feature debut but briefly glimpse standing beside nick charles's car is ava gardner in her yeah. feature debut in this film just out of the blue just out of the blue just like why not we'll put ava gardner in a background shot yeah absolutely Dude, this is fucking nuts that's why i say this has, has one of the craziest casts because a lot of these people are debuting for the first time and they're big stars and they're just they're just kind of supporting roles in this movie. Like I know that after Thin Man has uh has uh Jimmy Stewart, but the just the collection like between between Donna Reed and Barry Nelson and Stella Adler and Ava Gardner, like this is just an impressive lineup. Yeah, yeah, it is. I don't know if it's the best lineup they've had, but it's really good. It's really, really good. And Cargill, can we talk about how there is a honest-to-God saloon brawl at a fancy restaurant in this movie? At the SS Mario? (laughs) (laughs) Which sounds like a video game from the 90s that should have happened. Yeah, they go to Mario's Grotto restaurant, uh, which is basically just... It's pretty much what a lot of seafood restaurants are now, which is that... It is just a restaurant that's made to look like a boat, and and uh, the maitre d' is really pushing that sea bass. They He really thinks that the sea bass kicks ass. Oh, a final word here. If I just come in like you, I order one thing, sea bass. I think I'd like that. One sea bass. I think shad roll will be my dish, Louis. The sea bass, she's a, a very good. She's a number one. But the chef recommends shad roll. The chef? Huh. I'll take sea bass. Two sea bass. How's the cracked crab? You are Nika's friend. For Nika's friend, the good is none to best. Sea bass? 
three sea bass. And uh, and that's the, that's a great joke where he's just like pushing people into getting the sea bass. Broiled lobster. You know one sea bass. Broiled lobster. But they all order sea bass. They are easily led. But then all of a sudden, one person uh, trips over Asta and and dumps a tray of of beverages on a one guy, and then from here on. It's a straight up John Ford fucking Western saloon brawl in a thin man movie in a thin man movie. And I love how they just kind of wander out and go, fuck it. Let's go back and drink. Well, yeah, let's go back into a corner and drink while there's a brawl. That's the thing that's really baffling about there being a barroom brawl in a thin man movie. Cargill is that in a, in a barroom brawl, you're wasting a lot of alcohol, which is something that the Charleses would never do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not a thing that you typically see. But yeah, I feel like this is yet another example of great thin man, you know, another great entry in this thin man franchise. I love the jokes. They all still fully play today. Even, you know, if some of the characters are a little troubling, the jokes still play every bit as much today as they did then. You know, the the Charleses are still the characters that we love. We still get that whole, like, literally lock the door and I'm going to tell you who did the murder. There's a great joke, by the way, where he figures out who the murderer is and he just pauses. And Nora Charles goes, well, don't keep me in suspense, Nikki. Who's the murderer? Is it me? Like, she's like so excited to hear who he knows the killer is. And she's like, wait, wait, is, is it me? Am I the one who did it? I don't know. Like, it's just, it's a really fun movie. It's another great example of, you know, uh, of a, by the way, is Nick Charles the thin man? Did I just figure this out? No. Okay. So this is just a movie series that is hanging its hat on the very first movie by continuing to call itself the thin man, even though the thin man isn't the killer in every movie. It's why all the fans call it the Nick and Nora movies. Cause that's Got what it really it. is. See they that? really should have been called Nick and Nora and blank. Um, but instead it was, they, it was such a popular film. They're like another thin man. And then it's, you know, the third thin man. And then it's in the shadow of the thin man. And really they were the Nick and Nora movies. Like even fast and furious, somebody is going fast and somebody is furious in every franchise, but it would be like calling, it'd be like going the fast and furious sequels, DVD, VCR combo. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense in the sequels. It made sense in the first one. It doesn't make sense in the sequel. By the way, my favorite joke in this whole movie, Cargill, is so subtle, such a great joke. They pull up to a racetrack where there's been a murder, and <laughs> Lieutenant Abrams says goodbye to the Charles by saying, I've got to go see a man about a murder Yeah, at I, a I, racetrack? I, yeah, I love that joke. Come on, you guys. Come Ask on. your grandparents why that's funny if you don't know, because that's fucking funny. And I, I before we get to the junk food pairing, Cargill, do you want to hear some of the... Uh, some of the selections from our listeners as to what our cinematic resolution should be. In other words, what movies we should cover in our, I can't believe I'm saying this 10th year on the air. Let's do it. All right, let's get, I, I saw a fair number of responses for uh, the 13th warrior, which is we, what we, we, we talked about possibly doing. Yeah. I do yeah. enjoy that film quite a bit. Uh, we got a couple for the burbs. We got a couple for Southern comfort. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Ernest Ernest P. Whirl movies uh, were mentioned as something we should maybe cover in uh, in the new year. Dirty Dozen. How have you not done an episode on the Dirty Dozen? That's like one of your favorite fucking movies. Yeah, yeah. I've I've seen it. I don't know how many times. Probably because I thought we did it like in year one, that and um, 
and 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 it's entirely possible that we have and that that person just doesn't know uh or we haven't done it yet and uh and you just don't know and i just don't know i mean we've done (laughs) we've done this a lot i mean it it's one of those things that uh i've realized i was thinking about this recently um that we have enough we have what over 400 hours of the show out there at least you could feed that into an ai and an ai could generate these episodes on their fucking <laughs> up. Are you like advocating for robots to replace this cargo? No, no, but I'm saying that there's enough of us out there that, you know, somebody could feed this into an AI and then, you know, it would, it would, it wouldn't make a lick of goddamn sense, but it would have enough things in it and it would break into old man cargo. And then it'd be like, is, is this a real episode of junk food where they just got really fucking hammered or is this AI? I don't fucking know. Um, so. So yeah, I don't know how we've done that. I actually came up with an idea for a series uh, uh, for the new year. So I have my own new year's resolution. I mean, this is literally just a uh, production meeting at this point, Cargill. So, I mean, we're drinking, we're talking about what we're going to do. So it's a production meeting. Go for it. I mean, we, we cover the rest of the Don Simpson movies we haven't covered. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, I thought that was a given. Uh, I was, I was watching a, a, a great mini doc last night on YouTube about how troubled and how fucked up day uh, uh days of thunder was like going deep into how fucked up it was um and and how this particular critic believes that it is the end of the officially the end of the 80s movie uh and he makes a compelling argument um but i was like you know there's some don simpson movies we haven't covered because we've covered most of them uh and he died very young uh so uh well i mean in his 50s but comparatively speaking you know bruckheimer is still fucking going so uh it was it's like maybe we covered the ones we haven't done yet and we call it the simpsons and then every episode is the simpsons i'm already planning that i'm already planning <laughs> the audio it's already there what else what else have we got on the wish list you know what's crazy is there's been a couple and i love this every time i ask this question cargill inevitably there's a couple of people that ask for episodes that already exist yeah which is like, you understand our pain now. You get it. I had people asking for near dark episodes. I had people asking for once upon a time in the West episodes. Spoiler alert. Both of those things exist. Done Just it. FYI. Uh, but yeah, we got uh, we got requests for Run Lola Run. Uh, we got requests for uh, Paddington 2. A lot of requests for Paddington 2, actually. Uh, Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, some requests for Layer Cake. Uh, we got requests for... Uh, Terminator two. Uh, we actually had one person request Terminator, which we did this year. Uh, and, uh, also rapid fire, which is a Brandon Lee movie that I've been desperate to cover for a long time. You've really wanted to cover rapid fire. I fucking love rapid fire. Dude. I know you do. Dude, it's Brandon Lee and it's, uh, uh, oh, I'm, I'm just saying, I know you do not, <laughs> I'm not, St- I'm not, not Keach. who am I? I'm sorry. Powers booth. I always get Stacey Keach and Powers Booth confused in my mind. It's 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 uh, Brandon Lee and Powers Booth, and it's a fucking you know martial arts crime film in Chicago. Uh, is it directed by Andrew Davis? It might be directed by. I mean, it's Chicago. It might be directed by Andrew Davis. If a movie is set in Chicago, just guess that it's directed by Andrew Davis. You'll be right one out of three times. That's how that shit works. So yeah, we got a lot of really interesting requests here that I'm I'm super excited to dive into. And we got requests for things I'm like, yeah, we probably won't do. Uh, but a lot of stuff that, uh, <laughs> like we got a request for the fan, which I think is Tony Scott's weirdest and probably weakest movie. 
Uh, um, we both agree on that one. Yeah. Yeah. So that I, I mean, revenge are the two that we're like, oh, do we need to cover those? Yeah. Revenge is gross. And the fan is just weird. I don't know. Like, like it's just, those are probably things that won't, but we had somebody request Nakatsu Noir, which is, I would do a whole, oh, you love that one. I would love to do a series on Nakatsu Noir. Cargill, have you seen Oh, wait, a lot that's of right. The Nikot, it, it's not a movie. It is a series of movies. The, yes. These are the pink, these are the pink, the pinku films, right? No, 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 no. This is before they became pinku. Before okay. they became pinku, there was a studio that did film noir. And they they did a combination of film noir and they also did some French New Wave knockoffs, like the warped ones. Like, dude, there is a like I if you haven't seen these movies, it's one of the few things that I would ever get to introduce you to. And I would introduce you to the very best of them. And I feel like you would really appreciate, you know, who you'd appreciate is Joe Shishido, the Lee Marvin of Japan. Because <laughs> that's entirely who he is. And I would love to be able to introduce you to Occult is My Passport and Go to Hell Bastards. And uh, I've seen Occult is My Passport. That's a great movie, though, right? It's a great movie. Yeah. That's the kind of shit I'm talking about. So, yeah, a lot of great, a lot of great uh, recommendations. From the listeners, uh, we will see what happens in, in 2024. I just want to, before we get in the junk food pairing, of course, want to take this opportunity, as I always do, to drunkenly thank all of you for listening. If you're patrons, for supporting us financially, you know, for following us on the various forms of social media and just getting the word out there and, and making us feel like, you know, this is worthwhile. I put a lot of work into this, uh, and I really like this really is my baby. I don't really do a lot of anything else related to the film world like this is the one thing that i have held on to because i i feel so rewarded by it and getting to sit down with cargill and just bullshit and make jokes and you know have fun for an hour a couple hours every week is uh it, it means a lot to me and i don't just want to thank all of you listening and all of you who have supported us but of course cargill as well uh because this is such an important part of my life and has been for a fucking decade now cargill a decade has been spent doing this show and i would not trade a single day i'm gonna trade a couple of them but yeah pretty great <laughs> you weren't even here those days i got a guest host i mean for those days look, you would trade. i had to i had to watch uh uh follow that bird and vi warshowski <laughs> so I, I i have opinions i don't regret any of that because we i feel like we spun some shit into gold with those episodes and and that and that's like i i appreciate the challenge I i've had people i've had people show up to events to have me sign their copy of vi warshowski that's what happened that happened i saw it i saw it happen don't tell me it didn't happen i saw it happen it 100 happened it was amazing and i'm I'm super excited but so, but but sincerely cargo i just i want to thank you for you know giving of your time as well and doing this with me for a fucking decade now yep you know, before I would like to say one more thing, please. After these messages, we'll be right back to open a door on the rest of the world and step out, falling free two miles straight down. You go for it. You go for all the gusto you can get, making the most of now. From the life you live to the beer you drink, Schlitz, the one beer brewed with gusto since 1849, the official beer of the Winter Olympics. Go for it. Fucking thought you were going to do something heartfelt. I thought it was going to be like sincere. No, 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 no. Brian just keeps walking into the shit. 
Just walking right. I'm just walking into this joke over and over again. God damn it. Wearing these boots that were made for me. Because I'm walking. God damn it. If you're still listening, uh, the junk food pairing that I chose for this episode, because it's always some sort of alcohol for the Thin Man episode, for the end of the year episode, for the New Year's Eve episode. But this is the one installment of this franchise that is bold enough that has the cajon to finally show professional wrestling. My junk food pairing for this movie is to get yourself a four pack of tall boys, a broken skull IPA developed by the one and only stone cold Steve Austin from the Secunda Secundo brewing company. They make the broken skull IPA. They also make the American lager, I believe, uh, but they are, Stone Cold Steve Austin branded beers, and oh my God, are they fucking delicious. I highly recommend, if you're going to go with the IPA, to not raise two of them above your head, smash them together, and then chug them because you will die. But sip the IPA, get the American lager, smash those together, and drink it on the ring post. But yes, absolutely, the the Broken Skull IPA is my junk food pairing for Shadow of the Thin Man. And at what temperature should you serve those? Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Oh, my God, that's Stone Cold! Somebody stop the damn man! Cargo, what is your junk food pairing for Shadow of the Thin Man? Uh, It is, as we talked about earlier, it is a cocktail that I have been drinking this entire time uh, called the Secretariat. Ooh, that was a horse that was probably racing around this time. It was. Uh, There's a famous, you know, there's this famous horse Secretariat, and that's what it's named after. It is a wonderful cocktail. It is a very easy drinking cocktail, and it's very easy to make. Um, But it is unique and very drinkable. It is two ounces of bourbon. Uh, I like to go with a cask-proof bourbon because I like to serve my drinks with a little more fire to them. It is going to be a shaken drink, so it will be watered down to the right amount where it's going to taste like a good alcoholic drink. Two ounces of bourbon, one ounce of maple syrup. So you're going to go with, I get a nice maple syrup. Don't, you know, don't get the the stuff in the plastic bottle, get stuff in it, you know, from Canada in a nice glass bottle, uh, just a nice, good maple syrup. Um, and then half of, uh, a lemon. Uh, so about half an ounce of lemon juice, uh, squeezed in fresh. You put those three things in a shaker over ice, shake it up, uh, then strain it over other ice. Uh, and that's how it's served on the rocks. Um, and it is a, delicious drinkable cocktail that is just one of those things it doesn't taste like any of the elements they all for some reason you put the lemon juice in with the maple syrup and the the bourbon and you just get this nice citrusy sweet drink that just tastes delicious and it doesn't taste like maple at all you don't taste the maple uh the lemon counteracts it and it works with the bourbon and just all three of those flavors blend together into something truly special highly recommend making yourself a secretariat as soon as you're able that sounds goddamn delicious but it also kind of sounds like putting a pound of meat into a loaf of bread and selling it for 10 cents i like, mean a pound of meat loaf of bread for a dime yeah that, that is a bargain that, that is, is a bargain for me i think i will buy some it is a bargain at any bypass for sure folks thank you so much for listening thank you for making 2023 a great year for junk food cinema if you'd like to hear more of us you can find our entire back catalog on your favorite podcatcher follow us on social media and if you really like the show i mean you really like the show 
You like it as much as restaurants in the 40s like to do baby turtle wrestling. Baby turtle wrestling? Baby turtle races, which is the thing we didn't talk about, but definitely happens in this movie. Baby you, turtle wrestling sounds cooler. Baby turtle wrestling sounds like the prologue of mutant mayhem that didn't happen. You can go to patreon.com slash junk food cinema for as little as a dollar episode. You are financially supporting the show, and we greatly appreciate it. And to end this show, enjoy your 2024. We love every one of you. Thank you so much for listening. And son of a gun, 40 to 1, 2024 will be the year of the junk food. The sea bass is a fillet, no bones, almost. A broiled lobster. The meat, it is white. The skin is a crispy. The butter is this yellow like the sunshine. I serve it steaming hot. It tastes something like you never taste in your whole life. I'm talking about sea bass. Four sea bass. Yeah.